In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. It's time for Sex Talk with Lou. Lou Paget on Toginet. So, have you ever wondered if you're normal or why you feel distant from your partner? Why they keep doing that? Want to recreate a truly connected relationship? Or wondered, how do I tell my partner or kids about things? Then this is your chance to be a fly on the wall and learn about one of the most important parts of our health, our sexual health. Lou Paget is a certified sex educator, an international best-selling author, and not only will Lou and her guests discuss the most current research, they will put you at the head of the class on good, solid, scientifically-based information and how it will impact you and your family. Known for delivering information about sexuality and relationships sans the sleaze factor while retaining all the accuracy, fun, and the you're kidding factor. Let's get to it. Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet. And now here's your host, Lou Paget. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for being with us this Wednesday evening. For those of you who are live, if any of you have a question for myself or my guest, the 800 call-in number is 877-864-4869, repeating 877-864-4869. Good, now that we got that work out of the way. The reason I'm excited about tonight's show is, as we all know, I am a best-selling author in the area of sexuality. And when people are being intimate, when they are being sexual with someone, it is literally their body saying what words cannot. And often, people are, do not feel that their body looks the best way to deliver that language or their body doesn't have the ability to communicate because of its physical presentation. So my guest this evening is Dr. Leonard Rubenstein. He is an MD, he is a surgeon, and he has a um, practice in Sarasota, Florida that focuses in the area of anti-aging and rejuvenation and a range of different services that people can avail themselves of to have their body feel better and have their confidence feel better. So I'm going to have him describe why these things are happening, who's coming, and it might be something that any of you who are listening might give you more insight or more ability to explore something if you are interested or someone you know is. Now, Dr. Rubenstein, I believe you are on here with me? Yes. (laughs) Thank you for being with me. Oh, you're welcome. What a pleasure it is to be able to be on your show. I'll tell you, we, uh, I have an enormous respect for the work that you do, and, and really you are a tremendous asset to the entire profession of, of medicine really as a whole, but also in terms of rejuvenation and anti-aging, because what you do is counsel people really about, you know, educate people, I guess more so than anything else, about some of the things that they need to be aware of, and you do it in such an open and such an such a, uh, uninhibiting way, allowing people to feel very comfortable about asking the questions they need to ask. You know, we, we unfortunately often come across people that don't know where to go for resources, and the resources they turn to are not necessarily accurate nor professional. So it's uh, wonderful to be able to have people like you out there in the field. 
Well, thank you. Thank you so much for that. And particularly in the area of the, you know, the, the body work and the facial work. I mean, my goodness me, I live in the land of, you know, you can't swing, you know, a stick in the area of Beverly Hills without hitting six of them. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. I think we have more cosmetic and plastic surgeons in one block in Beverly Hills than we do uh, probably electricians. Uh, everybody, everybody and anybody who has wanted to go into cosmetic or plastic surgery at some point or another has this concept that they've got to have a presence in Beverly Hills, and it's all within like a four- or five-mile radius. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's like you know, sort of, they have all sprouted in this area. Now, Please correct me and guide me if, uh, but here's my understanding of why. These are elective surgeries, meaning they are not going to be covered by an insurance, so they are basically full fee services, which is why so many have gone into this given the impact of the insurance companies and other areas where a physician has had that area of their income curtailed. You know, it's interesting. You know, I um, I look back at my history. You know, it's just for your listening audience, and I know that you and I have spoken about this, and you've been you've been a wonderful guest in the show that we have, uh, radio show weekly, and um, and you know, we've talked about really what got me into this whole thing, why I get so passionate about the work that we do, and actually the passion the, the passionate about the kind of work that you do in terms of educating people as a co-educator out there in the field. Um, you know, when I got into medicine. And I and I chose uh, ear, nose, and throat, head, neck, facial plastic surgery as the first profession specialty, and then subsequently body contour cosmetic surgery with fellowship training, um, and then eventually, of course, the anti-aging, you know, rejuvenation, mm-hmm. bioidentical hormones, and that kind of work. At no point did I ever look at it and say, "Gee, this is probably a good idea to do this for financial reasons." I, I know it sounds silly, and a lot of people that are listening are, are probably wondering, "Is that true?" Uh, you know, most physicians, I'd like to think, they go into a particular field because they they have a passion for it. There's nothing. I think, more emotionally rewarding for me as a practitioner Mm -hmm. to help a person look and feel their very best about themselves. And since we're really operating on self-esteem, even when Mm -hmm. we're doing surgery, we're we're operating on tissue, but we're really operating on self-esteem. And because we're operating on self-esteem, there's really an enormous amount of psychology, support, nurturing, uh, fathering, uh, you know, mentoring, um, and, and counseling that takes place. So, when I when I got into this field, I really didn't do it for the money. I mean, there are a lot of different ways to be able to go ahead and do very well in medicine. Um, and really, cosmetic surgery and rejuvenation, especially the rejuvenation science, the, mm-hmm. the helping people with the functional side of the internal rearranging of the body so that it'll be functionally working optimally um, for for sexual you know for sexual relations, but also for um, you know not only for the intimacy but just for general health. That takes an enormous amount of time, probably probably much longer investment of time for a anti-aging specialist like myself than the cosmetic surgery side of the practice. Um, although I like both. And, um, mm-hmm. and so I think back, you know, I, I got into this because I have a passion for people and I have a passion for helping people to look and feel their best. And I was, I was gifted with some good creative talents. So I let, I let the rest of it kind of just take place. And I, but I, I really love what I'm doing and, uh, and but I can't really honestly tell you that I that I did it because of uh, a particular financial gain. You know what we always tell people. I know I know that people listening may not understand this, but I tell my kids we have four kids, 
And I tell my kids, don't ever go into medicine if you choose to go into medicine for financial reasons, because uh-huh. it really is, you know, you're limited by the number of hours you can provide a service. Correct. Um, go into medicine because you have a passion for it. Go into medicine because you love the kind of work. And then, frankly, find a business outside of medicine that you can earn your income from in a passive residual way. So you have a passive residual income income investment elsewhere that generates the income you need to sustain you and do the medicine because you just love it. And um and that's that's the principle I've always followed. Mm-hmm. I and, and and thank you for that. I just know when I have spoken to some physicians, I know their number one motivation has been because they can just do straight fee billing. And they've ended up doing a couple of, you know, a weekend course somewhere and then come back and they end up doing procedures that they don't do all the time and then people have botched results. Yeah, you know, and that's that's a shame that that happens, and that's absolutely true. Um, you know, there's a big big misconception out there in the world about who's trained to be able to do these um, procedures, surgical procedures. Mm-hmm. For mm-hmm. okay, and and the, the reality is that you know just because you are trained in plastic surgery does not mean necessarily that you had during that two year fellowship training work, which is really what plastic surgery, general plastic surgery is. It doesn't necessarily mean that you had a lot of experience in cosmetic or aesthetic surgery. In mm-hmm. fact. Frankly, you may not have had any experience in cosmetic surgery, even though you become boarded in a specialty. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it does not mean that just because you're a plastic surgeon that you have a lot of experience. Um, there's a difference between cosmetic surgery and plastic surgery. And, okay. um, and what's, what's that? that? Well, the you know, cosmetic surgery is really a conglomerate of multiple different specialties, each adding their own niche or their own kind of contribution to the field. Mm-hmm. Um, plastic surgery certainly contributes, uh, but also uh, dermatology, maxillofacial mm-hmm. surgery, oculoplastic surgery, um, ear, nose, and throat, head, neck, facial plastic surgery. Um, so there are multiple different fields, dentistry. So there are mm-hmm. multiple different fields that kind of add to the field of cosmetic surgery. Um, I'm, I'm, I teach a lot, and I teach in the United States, and I teach abroad, and I'm always teaching physicians, um, you know, until you know that you know that you know what you're doing, and until you know and have proficiency in the multiple different variations on the same theme of the procedures that you're going to be contemplating performing. Don't do this because you don't want to learn one technique in one weekend course, even the courses that I give, and then go home and do it. You have to have a discriminating sense, and that comes from experience, and it comes from getting getting a good mentoring relationship with someone who's a well-versed cosmetic surgeon. Um, I think if people want to look for people that are qualified mm-hmm. to do that was going to be my next cosmetic, question. Yeah. <laughs> To go, to go for cosmetic surgery, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you want somebody that's proficient, one great way to start is you go to the American Academy of Cosmetic Surgery site, which, has, which I believe is aacs.org, O-R-G. Mm-hmm. So you go to the American Academy of Cosmetic Surgery site, and then you look for someone who is a fellow of the American Academy of Cosmetic Surgery. And in doing that, you'll find that at least those people that are fellows got there because of proficiency and their colleagues felt they had merit to gain the title of fellowship in the American Academy of Cosmetic Surgery. You Mm -hmm. can't just join the membership and then become a fellow. That doesn't work like that. You have to show proficiency. You have to be out. You have to have had a certain number of cases under your belt. You have to have had a certain amount of success. And your colleagues have to feel that you are meritorious of that particular title. Now, on top of that, on top of that title, I think it's important for people to 
um, interview the doctor when they go to visit and really get a feel for, number one, what their staff feels of the doctor. Because oh, now that's, staff, you know, now that's, that's crucial. We have 30 seconds until our first break. But staff is very revealing. As our patients, you want to talk to patients, so make sure that they have an ease of putting you in touch with some of the patients that they've, uh, that they've taken care of. Mm-hmm. And as we know, not only those who are going to give, you know, people who will give you the real truth, not just this is what I want you to say truth. <laughs> My exactly. guest this evening is Dr. Leonard Rubenstein. He has a phenomenal cosmetic surgery practice in Sarasota, Florida, and we will be right back after this break. Please stay with us. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with your host, Lou Paget. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more sex talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. Booyah! That's the word uttered when you know you have the upper hand. Or you're the winner. Well, now, we have the Booyah Radio Hour with Martin Brassi. Tuesdays at 9, 8 Central on toginet.com. Martin's show is all about helping speakers and authors find their niche, create their brand, and achieve massive success. Each week, Martin will interview guests from around the world who have achieved tremendous success as speakers and authors. You'll find out who they are, what they do, and how you can follow in their footsteps to achieve incredible results. Guests will come from around the world of business, entertainment, finance, the arts, and sciences. Nothing is off topic. No subject too taboo. We'll share valuable information as well as huge laughs as we discover the ups and downs of being a successful speaker and author. The Booyah Radio Hour with Martin Pressey. Tuesdays at 9, 8 central on togedat.com. Hi everybody, this is Pete Six of Beatles and Beyond. Why don't we all come together and hear some of the tracks off the latest Beatles release on this radio station. Yes, why don't you look up the schedules on this radio station and join me and Beatles listeners everywhere to hear these latest releases from the Beatles on Beatles and Beyond with Pete Dix. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. 
Welcome back, everyone. Tonight, my guest is Dr. Leonard Rubenstein, and when we were on the break, I was mentioning to him an article that I happen to have read today in the Wall Street Journal on a company that the Senate panel is looking into, um, one of their products, Medtronic is the company, and the product is called Infuse, and it is used in for spinal um, fusion surgery. And... In it, it stated that a separate study had shown that using this particular product could lead and has led to male sterility. So I said, how is that possible? So this is where, this is the kind of range of things that Dr. Rubenstein has in his practice. It isn't just sort of like the notebook, go to med school. He's blended in the layers of different awareness of different studies. And so he's got different modalities that he can draw on to explain, to, you know, help people to give them assistance. So please tell me what you were explaining to me. On why this, because I looked at it as a, it's what's happening. It's a hormonal thing. Spermatogenesis is hormonal. How could this impact this? Well, there's a, there's, number one, there, whenever we introduce anything to the body, Mm-hmm. Um, we have to be aware that those entities, even if you think that they are uh, not energetically active, have an energetic effect. And for those of us that study energetics medicine and those of us that understand more than the average about meridians and acupuncture or you know, medicine, craniosacral issues, um, which we do in our office, because in our office we, we have for the last 27 years incorporated um, not only not only conventional therapies, conventional allopathic, what we call conventional allopathic medical therapies, but also alternative therapies like homeopathy and oriental medicine and acupuncture and um, Ayurvedic medicine uh, techniques and also energetics medicine. So for those of us that are trained in that, it makes sense that, number one, you've introduced a product into an area, sacroiliac area, the, the sacral spine, if you will, that has... In, intrinsically, an enormous amount of energetics effect all over the body, all kinds of reflexive effects all over the body. Uh, you can massage, for example, the craniosacral area and end up resolving patients' uh, vestibular function, in other words, dizziness. You can also massage those areas and stimulate uh, uh, erectile function. Um, so there, are, so there are an enormous amount of, if you will, meridians that are centered and focused out of the sacroiliac area. For that mm-hmm. reason. Whenever you manipulate that area, you get any type of local inflammation or you get an introduction of a foreign body into that area, you can have, number one, erectile dysfunctions, and you can mm-hmm. also have hormonal issues. Uh, there are hormonal effects that are affected by um, energetics. There's something that a lot of people, you know, a lot of people sit there and they go, well, you know, it's a black and white thing and it's, you know, hormone. The, the body's not like that. The body mm-hmm. is, an, is a fascinating, wonderful interaction. And you have spoken about it on your shows before. Mm-hmm. The body is an interaction of physiology and psychology kind of blended all together. The fact is one influences the other and energetics and moods, and, uh, you know, what affects the amygdala and what doesn't affect the amygdala. I mean, all these things are, are not just coincidental. They are interrelated and interwoven, and there's nothing coincidental about it. So, no. you know, so when you introduce through that procedure in the sacral spine, in the lumbar spine, you introduce a foreign material, there are potentials for all kinds of for all kinds of uh, interactions and all kinds of problems that that we may not understand 100%. Now, if you speak to somebody who is, uh, for example, oriented medicine acupuncture, they're going to say exactly, we understand exactly why. You are influencing certain meridians in that area that really you have to be very careful with. 
Thank you, because I was, uh, I phoned my uh, twin sister, who is a, a researcher and uh, does an auditing for research drug trials, and I said, what could this, what this, what could have caused this? It was like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> now, tell me, what is the number one procedure that women come to your clinic for? In terms of surgical procedure? Mm-hmm. Um, yes. I, I have to say probably the most active procedure in, in the United States is probably breast augmentation. Okay. Um, breast, you know, there is a, there's an enormous focus in the United States on femininity related to breast volume and breast appearance. Mm-hmm. So breast augmentation is probably the most popular. Second would be liposuction, in other words, body sculpting. In 1983, right. when we started liposuction, we, I was actually in on the committee that actually brought that to the United States through the American Academy of Cosmetic Surgery from Europe. And we invited Dr. Pierre Fournier and Dr. Evie Luce and Dr. Georgia Fisher, colleagues of mine. We invited these gentlemen who were doing this liposuction thing in Europe, what they called suction-assisted lipectomy. And we brought Mm -hmm. it to the United States. The first meeting was actually at the Graduate Hospital in Philadelphia, where I was training. Mm -hmm. And through the American Academy of Cosmetic Surgery, we started liposuction. Of course, liposuction as we know it today, or liposculpture as I like to refer to it, um, really has revolutionized cosmetic surgery. And, uh, and we can, absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah, we can change body shapes. We can, and it's not just for for heavy people. It's really, uh, it's really for body sculpting. And if you know what you're doing, taking a little fat from here and transplanting it there and shifting things around. And now with stem cell research that we're that we're looking into and and transplanting of stem cells acquired from fat, um, there's an enormous science behind that, which we're really just beginning to explore. And I think it's going to be the the future of um, of cosmetic and aesthetic surgery as well as, by the way, functional uh, reconstructive and regenerative medicine, because I think mm-hmm. a lot of the stem cell work is going to be really uh, significant. So I'd say, number one, breast augmentation. Number two, liposuction. And third would be the facial procedures. Okay. Somehow, for some reason, women want to have nicer-looking breasts more than they do take care of the little saggy tissue in the face. They no. just, you know, that, that, that's no. kind of secondary. Is that the same? Now, what would be the number one and number two for the men who come to your clinic? Um, uh, probably, probably liposuction, again, mm-hmm. body sculpting, and also um, facial rejuvenation. Mm-hmm. Um, facial rejuvenation, face lifting, you know, either they do our technique of rejuve lift, which is kind of like our, our technique that we've developed, a kind of a unique facial rejuvenation technique called rejuve lift, mm-hmm. or um, they want eyelids done. Um, to have them look uh, more or, younger and more more, uh, more awake. Yeah, younger, more awake. Exactly right. Because that's what that's what men get most. You know, they get this bagging underneath the eyes, and they get this excess tissue hooding over the eyelids, and mm-hmm. then the brows start sagging. And um, you know, that's when, it, when we're talking about cosmetic surgery. When you're talking about anti-aging, which is the other part of what we do, because I'm boarded in anti-aging regenerative medicine as well. The anti-aging interests of men and women are pretty similar although mm-hmm. women are much more prone to understand those issues uh, because of hot flashes and that kind of thing than men. Although, you know, women and men both have menopause. And uh, the male equivalent of, of menopause is basically called andropause, but it's the same issue. They have some little different symptoms, but they can have the fatigue, the sleep disturbances, they can have the mood swings. They, and, the, and the women that are probably listening on the show going, oh, my God, is that true? So now, here's you know, the thing. At right. what age does it typically happen for men then? And is it a gradual thing? Well, yeah, for, for men and women, let's understand that after the age of about 30, we have, an, we have a tremendous exponentially increasing decline. We have a decreasing um, amount of hormonal 
release, the normal hormones that are needed for normal bodily functions, including sexuality, mm-hmm. including intimacy. Mm-hmm. So that influences, that influences the patients as well. So right. as they become depleted, men and women, both testosterone and, and uh, growth hormone and uh, DHEA and uh, estrogens and progesterones, these things will highly influence both men and women. After the age of 30, people should start getting tested every few years on what their hormone levels are because hormones are not just for sexuality. It's no, not, not just for all. libido. No, it's not just for libido, although extremely important for men and women. It's also for general body function, for cognitive function, for function of the brain, for function for, for memory, for sleep. Um, so there are multiple different for for muscle uh, uh, working, for for losing of weight, uh, for maintenance of bodily function. So gastrointestinal uh, function. So. Really, hormonal levels are extremely important to check. However, by the time patients become 45, 50, 55, and a lot of women have had surgical menopause because of, I think, an enormous amount of of unnecessary uh, hysterectomies that are performed. Please don't get me started on that one. Right. I mean, you know, the, the OBGYN motto is if you, can't, if you can't treat it for a little while and you're sick and tired of listening to the complaints, go ahead and just surgerize it. And that, that of course, is not, not something that I believe in at all because many of these patients, you can, first of all, menopause is not a requirement. You can avoid having menopause. You can, you can ameliorate the symptoms tremendously, and you can prevent menopause in many women if they start early enough and they start getting the right kind of bioidentical hormone supplementation guided by somebody who is board certified by the American Board of Anti-Aging Regenerative Medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so men are, we, are we talking oral or are we talking topical? We Actually, oral estrogens are problematic. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, oral progesterone, if they're micronized, can be very safe. Oral testosterone, absolutely no, because a lot of these things have to go through the liver, and that first pass becomes a real issue for the patients. So we are always recommending bioidentical hormones, not, not synthetic, not uh, drug, not pharmaceutical grade, but right. bioidentical, okay, bioidentical hormones either by injection um, in the sub-Q or into the muscle, or um, if, if they are testosterone, for example, um, or through the skin, by um, and that's the safest way to do it, or sublingual, as just okay. a sublingual drop. So, uh, so, so my so preference sublingual is, is under the tongue. Under the tongue drops, or um, but, you know, so some of the things we uh, we administer through under the tongue. Some things we administer through the skin as as a cream. And most of the time, I tell you that most of the time, the creams do just about everything you need. In some mm-hmm. cases, I put the patients also on some growth hormone, which has to be done by injection, um, or semorelin, which is the precursor of growth hormone. A lot of these things are very safe. Again. Lou, everything has to do with knowing how to do it right, monitoring the patients, and then working as a team with the patient to make sure that the patient is undergoing the right kind of follow-up. Right. And that the doctor is well-versed, you know. Right. But here's the other thing, too, and we have um, probably about 40 seconds until our next break. When and when we come back, I'd like you to describe and define for people exactly what bioidentical means and what would be the name of one and what would be the name of something that might be coming from um, a pharmaceutical. So they can, because I have to tell you, there are so many times and there's so much information that women are bombarded with that, well, what exactly are they talking about? What exactly do they mean here? So if we can, you know, make sure that we touch on that for people and, and let them know that, you know, again, we've probably got 15 seconds until we break, that there are ways to keep yourself and your body still, you know, 
fully functional and ready for any intimacy for life for whatever it is you are doing. Now, here come our tunes. Please stay with us. My guest is Dr. Leonard Rubenstein. We'll be right back. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with your host, Lou Paget. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more sex talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. Whether you're four and a half or 100, you can retrain your brain. Learning Rx, the radio show, is on toginet.com, Thursday mornings at 8 a.m. Central Time with Martin Kruger. Learning Rx programs are quick, they're efficient, they're life-changing, and they're permanent. Unlike tutoring, cognitive skills training or brain training targets the root issue causing learning struggles. Time and money spent on chronic tutoring is a clear signal of cognitive skill deficiency. That's where Learning Rx comes in. Call today, 903-617-6899, 903-617-6899. Then join us for the show here every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. And take advantage of the power it holds to improve your life. There are so many brain training issues that Learning RX can help you with. It's not a product, it's an experience. So join us for Learning RX, the radio show with Martin Kruger. Thursday mornings at 8 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Pinrod. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 Central on toginet.com. Life after an autism spectrum diagnosis doesn't have to be difficult. It can be joyful, happy, and filled with hope. Join Shannon Pinrod, author, speaker, coach, and mom of a six-year-old recovering from autism for this inspirational hour of hope. She's even authored a series of children's autism books with her son, Jim. For more information about the books, Shannon, and Everyday Autism Miracles, go to her website, shannonpinrod.com. From there, you can also get to her other websites, blogs, and connections. On Everyday Autism Miracles, you'll hear stories from parents whose children have made miraculous strides. You'll also get the inside dish on therapies, treatments, supplements, and how to get funding to help you afford them. Miracles abound in the autism community. So tune in for Everyday Autism Miracles to listen, share, laugh, and surround yourself with hope. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Penrod. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Welcome back, everyone. Tonight, my guest is Dr. Leonard Rubenstein, and on the break, we were speaking of, you know, a couple of different topics, but one of the first things I want to say before we jump in on um, the area of lasers, I'd like to have Dr. Rubenstein explain for people what is, you know, define for us what bioidentical actually means. Okay, okay. 
We're, we're, first of all, there's a major confusion that's been propagated, unfortunately, by the media out there in the world about hormones. It's not, it's not uncommon for a patient to come to my office when I start speaking to them about the fact that they may need to have their hormones evaluated to find out what levels they're deficient in so that we can supplement them with bioidentical hormones. They jump the gun and say, oh, my God, no, 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 no. I can't possibly take hormones. I hear they cause cancer. Okay, mm-hmm. here's the deal. The reason why they're saying that is because there's a lot of misinformation out there. And I dare say some of that information not only comes from the media, but also comes from doctors who don't know what they don't know. So there are a lot of doctors out there who are exposed to the media, who read studies partially, but aren't really well-versed in everything that has to do with bioidentical hormones, for example. And so they come out with these things, they, they come out with these comments, and the patients take them as if they are fact. You got to okay. be careful where you're getting your source. You know, Lou. One of the things that you teach often that I've, I've heard you educate people about is, you know, be careful where you're getting your source. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the source of your sexuality questions is not the men's magazines. I mean, that's not the place you go for factual information. That's not the place. You you have to be careful what source you're taking. Same way with bioidentical hormones. Bioidentical hormones are hormones that are exactly what you are normally secreting in your body. They're not synthetic. They're not pharmaceutical. One of the problems that happens is that there's an enormous amount of pharma, pharmaceutical money out there pushing for patients to think that one thing is equal to the other. And what right. they're trying to do is they're trying to make sure that bioidentical hormones, which, by the way, because they are because they are created specifically to the needs of that particular patient, with and, a weight dosing what, what, what's the source? What's the source of the actual hormone itself? Where would okay, it come the from? hormones may be may be human. It may mm-hmm. be plant. It might be vegetable. It might be plant origin. It might be vegetable origin. But a lot of these things are. Bioidentical, meaning they are the same physiologically as that which you are using. They're not synthetic. They're not pharma- they're not uh, pharmaceutical, and they're not problematic. Unlike, for example, uh, uh, products like uh, Provera, mm-hmm. Prempro, Premarin, Premarin came. The name came out of it's a YS product. They've made billions of dollars on the product. Premarin is one of the most frequently prescribed. Um, products for women that are having menopausal symptoms. Premarin means pre-ma-rin, pregnant mare's urine. That's yeah. where it came from. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a horse urine extract. extract. Well, women are not horses. So no, we're not equine. Them, no. So to give them pregnant <laughs> mare's urine extracts makes no sense. And in fact, Premarin in many of these products will end up decreasing what you're actually trying to increase. So they'll decrease reflexively the progesterone levels when in fact you're actually trying to increase those. They'll they'll alter things in ways that you shouldn't and they are oral. So what happens is it has to go through the first pass, it affects the liver, and the, the end result is that it can cause problems. So Premarin, Prempro, Provera, things like that that are commonly used, these are pharmaceutical grade and they're much higher dosing than what we in bioidentical hormone therapies use. We we believe that the body can be stimulated by much lower doses, much safer doses of physiologic product without having to go synthetic pharmaceutical grade. And for that reason we don't get the complications. The patients you know, bioidentical hormones do not cause cancer. That's just not right. what happens. So the problem
problem is that there was a study that came out some years ago called the WHI, the Women's Health Initiative right. Study, that was misinterpreted. And that misinterpretation by the media and by doctors, by the way, um, really took the wrong data out and forgot to say that, oh, by the way, when the bioidentical hormones were used, there was no problem. In fact, the patients actually improved. Well, the other that, thing about that study yeah. is that they ended up having women who they were giving um, estrogen to who were 10 years Postmenopausal, but what exactly they right. didn't do is they didn't they didn't rule out the women who had pre-existing conditions, and they know that if there's going to be an estrogenic impact that's going to be helpful for women's health, it's when they are perimenopausal and just early into menopause. Exactly right. You're absolutely right, and and as expected, very well versed in this. That the the WHI study WHI study became a confusing entity for doctors out there. Now mm-hmm. here's the other part, and I was talking to you about this on break. And I know that there are doctors who are going to be listening. They're going to go, ouch. I, I get it. But, but here's the reality, okay? Doctors don't know what they don't know. And the patients come to doctors thinking that the doctors know what they should know because the doctors don't, the patients don't know. And so they're hoping that the doctors know everything there is to know. When a doctor is well-versed in something, they feel very comfortable speaking about it. And they, they rarely will say things like, they will rarely use a comment like, you know, there's nothing in the literature to support that. Okay, mm-hmm. because that, that comment in and of itself is really fallacy. Let's face it, most doctors out there don't read all the literature there is to know about that particular subject. They no don't kidding. read it even in English in their own native language, let alone Chinese, um, let alone German, uh, let alone Italian or Portuguese, or all the other wonderful languages where a lot of this literature is being published and is not published in English. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, there's this kind of egocentrism, kind of national centrism where, where people think that, you know, unless, it's, unless it comes to my desk and unless it's in English and unless it's understood by me and digested appropriately by me and analyzed by me correctly, then therefore it's not worth anything. And so that's what happens is that, you know, those of us that are involved in alternative therapies that are involved in homeopathic work and are teaching, I teach at Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine, I teach also on the faculty honorary professor over in Zunyi College of Medicine in China. Those of us that are involved in international work like that and are delving into the, the alternative therapies, the complementary therapies, I guess it kind of opens our eyes into realizing that, you know what, there's a whole heck of a lot more to learn than what we learned in traditional medical training. And, and as, no question know, and about as, that. And as we learn more, we're willing to go ahead and say, things to patients in, in response to their questions about things that we don't understand fully to be responsible as, as professionals. And we should be saying to patients, you know, Mrs. Jones, that is a, that is a good question. And I got to tell you the truth. I don't know well the answer. I, I really don't. But you know what? Your question is worth my answering correctly. And you are worth Mike answering that question too, and I value you and I value your question, so if you would do me a favor, allow me a little bit of time to contact the people that are really experts in this or to do the research, and then let me answer that question for you. But that's not what happens. What doctors do sometimes for ego protection is they make themselves out to be the experts about everything. They have no idea what they're talking about. So not uncommonly, I have doctors saying, oh, you know, you don't take hormones because hormones are going to cause you cancer. It's like, what are you talking about? I mean, that's no, just it, not, it's not that's the case. And the patients don't know, so then they stop, they stop abruptly their therapies, and then the patients end up in trouble. 
and then all they do, well, then what happens for them is that, particularly if it's women going bang crash off of um, hormonal, you know, supplementation, they're kind of like, wow, they get absolutely blindsided. But, you know, as and you and I have spoken about this, we do really all have to be our own consumer advocates when it comes to every area. And when we are dealing with physicians, and bless them, they, you know, they, they have all of this stuff that they're working on and doing, but I know full well that they don't get any training rarely if they get, you know, eight hours and four years of med school, it's a lot and it's often optional, in the area of sexual function, and it sure the heck isn't in the area of sexual pleasure. And oh, absolutely. I mean, if physicians are trained to be the experts, to be able to diagnose, to be able to refer, and when it comes to the subject of sexuality or something they don't know, unfortunately, the little green-headed monster called the ego rises up and goes like this, oh, well, we're just going to brush that aside or we're going to act like we absolutely know about it. And then they make that it's not in the literature, which is the ultimate stopper statement. <laughs> no, I, you know, I have patients that come into my office. I mean, it's kind of cute because, and I, I, I say it seriously, I will go, the patient comes in, we evaluate them, we find out they have hormonal deficiencies, we put them back on the supplementation, they go, love whether you think you need it or not, I want you to do something you may not have been doing before. And I write them a prescription and they'll say, intimate, passionate sex, mutually fulfilling three times a week, whether you think you need it or not. Any physician allowed. Yeah. And the patients look at me like, are you serious? I go, I'm telling you sincerely. You have got to involve yourself in an intimate relationship wherever you possibly can because that itself will be life-saving. Now, it will, they're not in a relationship. What do they do? Well, you know, they're all. <laughs> that's a good question. You know, you want, you want to get into a relationship that's fulfilling. But there's another part of this. You know, the other part of this, Lou, is that it has to be. It can't be a negativizing experience. I mean, you certainly no. don't want to get into a relationship. Right. So, I mean, that's counterproductive. I mean, you've spoken about this too. If you if you're getting into a relationship for the sex, the truth of the matter is, or if you're just having sex for the sake of sex, you'll never really enjoy sex. That's not really the way to do it. Well, and I mean, it's going to be counterproductive. It's going to be but, counterproductive to your well-being, to your feeling good about yourself, and you feel drained. I mean, you feel like, you know, I, I, I was basically used, and I used somebody as well. So that's well, and, not and, what we're talking and it about. And it doesn't come from the energetically, when we spoke of, you know, all of us, everything about us being the, the physiology and the psychology, and my comment being, we are all wet cell batteries. Every single thing we do is a positive and negative charge. So if the energy that you are sharing with your body with someone is not being shared in a way that has, that flows smoothly, you've created a problem. You've created a different energy thing. And you know when you spoke of the things for the lower pelvis, and anyone who's ever done any yoga or over, over a period of time has heard tales of people where there's been energy blockages when they've done something in their hip area that releases something they never expected. Right, right. And, you know, we're, well, now we're going... We're going to yeah, that, our next that, break in one, in one minute here, but go ahead. No, that happens a great deal. We, we find that as patients come in and receive oriental medicine acupuncture work from our uh, oriental medicine physicians that we have in the office, that sometimes you'll just go ahead and touch a particular meridian, and all of a sudden the patients become extremely emotionally affected by that. Um, there's an enormous intertwinement between the energy field of the body and the emotions. And of course, that will affect intimacy and sexuality and the expression thereof. I mean, it, it all is intertwined. It, 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 here's the thing. Anyone who thinks that you can separate the two of them 
hasn't been paying attention. <laughs> it, it, is, it is simply not possible. We are going for our next break in 10 seconds. My guest this evening is Dr. Leonard Rubenstein. He has an outstanding practice in Sarasota, Florida, and we will be giving you his contact information, and it will be up on my site on TogiNet um, afterwards. And when we come back, we will be going on with some of the sexual surgeries that he does. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with your host, Lou Paget. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more sex talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. LinkedIn. It's a great tool. And Carol McManus is the LinkedIn lady. With the LinkedIn Lady Show, Wednesday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on Toginet.com. The LinkedIn Lady Show is here to show you and your business how every social media site has a specific demographic, personality, and purpose that can benefit you. The LinkedIn Lady will have interviews each week with a variety of guests, such as business owners who will showcase their businesses and talk about how they're using social media to stay in touch with not only customers, but to attract new relationships that become customers. Other guests will be experts in social media who will speak to the use of Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Google, Plaxo, Squidoo, and of course, LinkedIn. For more on Carol and the show, check out her website, LinkedInLady.com. Join us, won't you? Every Wednesday afternoon at 5, 4 Central. It's the LinkedIn Lady Show with host Carol McManus on toginet.com. The American Rock and Roll Countdown with Alex Price. Now, this Saturday morning, we're going to count them down one more time from number 40 all the way to number 1 with the official classic hits countdown, the American Rock and Roll Countdown. We'll count down the biggest hits of the 70s with interviews and artist information, news, weather, sports, you name it, we'll have it this Saturday morning, 9 o'clock Eastern, right here on Toginet for the American Rock and Roll Countdown. The American Rock and Roll Countdown on Toginet. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Welcome back, everyone. Tonight with Dr. Leonard Rubenstein as my guest. Just before the break, we were, we were speaking of the, um, gosh, what were we talking about? Because I went whipping off in another direction, <laughs> being your own advocate. <laughs> but anyway, back now, what I'd also like to cover are some of the, let me, one question. Are there patients you will not treat? Absolutely. One of the things about being a cosmetic surgeon and actually being a qualified cosmetic surgeon is uh, the more experience you have, the more you recognize that there are some patients that really, frankly, should not be touched. Um, mm-hmm. there, there, there are patients, you know, I always, I, whenever I teach, I teach courses, I say, you know, in the very beginning, you want to do everybody and you want to do everything that everybody wants them to, wants you to do. 
Then after a while, you start realizing certain patients that, frankly, no matter what you do, they'll never be happy because the reason for having the procedure was not something that was sound. For example, right. uh, their boyfriend or their girlfriend or a fledging uh, relationship, um, and they feel that they're going to salvage the relationship or they'll be more attractive to their significant other if they, in fact, go along with what the significant other wants them to do surgically for right. body alteration. Okay, and that's, of course, the worst thing in the world to do. And uh-huh. so the, the more you get into cosmetic surgery, the more you become extremely sensitive to interviewing patients. Mm-hmm. I spend an enormous amount of time now interviewing patients to find out, is this really a patient that is doing things for the right reason? And if I hear them saying things like, well, look, this isn't really for me. My breast augmentation is really something that my boyfriend wants. Mm-hmm. I tell my boyfriend to sit down on the chair, and I go, and I'll say, okay, sir, let me go ahead and show you where I'm going to be making these incisions on you. And they go, no, 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 no. And they start laughing, kind of giggling. And they say, no, 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 this isn't for me. This is for her. Oh, but she said she didn't want it. You want it. <laughs> no, no, but I want it for her. So, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll That's hold that. That's hysterical. I like that. Yeah, they'll, they'll get the point. Uh, the same thing happens with, by the way, labiaplasty. Uh, Thank this you. Is, this, is a, this is a crazed thing that's going on. Now, look, we do perform labiaplasties for some patients. In those instances where really there's so much tissue there, we have a little excess labia, and you have, or maybe a significant amount of labia, that you'll end up, uh, you know, it, it'll get in the way of intercourse or pleasurable intercourse because there's so much tissue that when you have intercourse, it kind of pulls in the penis, right. will pull right. in the tissue. But it, and but so in those cases, what are the rare cases? Yeah, but now there's this craze about designer labiaplasty, which is being advertised, which I think is ridiculous because well, number one, it subsidizes, it it subrogates the the female anatomy into something that has to be a certain look, otherwise it's not going to be pleasurable for somebody. Okay, and, and that is that is so wrong. Okay, this is this is one of my pet peeves. There is an individual, I'm not even going to use the term physician, an individual in Los Angeles called David Matlock who created this um, vaginal laser rejuvenation therapy. And what he did is he preyed on the fear of women thinking that that area of their body was not okay. And the majority of women, unless they're gay or bi, do not know what another woman really looks like. They may think that they are supposed to look like someone who is in the adult industry, but many of those women have had these procedures done. And what is done, if anyone has any idea of the amount of the, the pixelated digital retouching that goes on with every single picture that is in any magazine or presented anywhere, they won't have any inner labia protruding out at all. So women think they're not supposed to have any. My understanding is approximately 50% of women have the inner lips protrude from the outer vulvar lips. And for a lot of women, those that labial tissue, those inner lips are highly, highly pleasurable. Now, I do know of women who have said they do have painful intercourse because the inner labia are too large, or they had a very, very difficult labor and or a difficult delivery, and so they've got some scarring or something that they want to have adjusted. That is a reason to have that type of surgery, or they have um, something might, they might have had ligamentous issues, so there might have been a prolapse of, of vaginally, so they may need to have some upper vaginal vault pelvic surgery. But what Matlock has done is basically created a, a way to tell doctors, let me give you this weekend course, I've designed this course, buy this course, come take this, then tell these women that they need to have this because otherwise they're not going to look like a virgin. 
Yeah, and we, you know, again, a lot of this has to do with being a responsible physician. There are patients who have body, uh, you know, dysmorphic syndrome. Right. Um, that no matter what you do, they'll never feel like they're really looking right because they have this kind of a prototype that they believe they're supposed to look like. And as you say, a lot of these magazines, these models, when they take photos, I, you know, I take care of a lot of professional models, and a lot of these gals look very different in person than they do in the magazine because of, of what you can do with pixels and changing the appearance of, you know, airbrushing and all kinds of stuff. So mm -hmm. some of these people have this false impression of what people, of what normality and beauty is. The reality is that we're all different. Every woman's different. Every Everybody has their own uniqueness, and there is no standard beautiful, and so um, so you've got to be careful. And as a physician, the responsible physician takes their time evaluating patients, finds out what the reason is for their particular interest in a particular procedure, and then I don't go with what the patient says. I say, look, you know, I appreciate what you want, but let me explain to you something. This is not something for you, or this is something for you, or I know you were thinking about doing this procedure, but I recommend to you that, that this is really what you really need, and I think that's where we should start. And a lot of that has to do with just becoming a great interviewer and learning. You know, I, I teach a lot of physicians. I say, when you're very young, you do well more. Uh, middle, <laughs> middle of your career, Career, you're very you're selective. By the time you finish, there's hardly anybody you want to touch because you recognize <laughs> you recognize that there are so many people out there that are doing things for strategic reasons. I mean, you just wonder if you want to touch anybody, and eventually you don't want to touch anybody, so you then. I mean, that's that's basically what happens as an experienced physician. So the the older you get and more experienced in the field, especially cosmetic surgery, the less you feel like doing a lot of surgery. Because well, you know, most when... of these patients don't have the right impression. As to, number one, they don't understand what the, what, the, what the alternatives are. They don't understand the end results. They don't understand the recuperatives. They don't understand what can be obtained. And they have this kind of image of what is normal. But when it comes right. to labiaplasty, yes, we do labiaplasties. Yes, we do penile enlargements. But I got to tell you, I'm so selective, so ultra selective, and I really find out what's the source of their issue. And mm -hmm. if the issue is really a psychological issue, you can't surgerize psychology. I mean, no, it doesn't, no, it doesn't work like that. You know, it doesn't, no. it doesn't work like that. No, so, I, yeah, for me, you the same careful. thing. You know, as when you say you get very particular about who it is you are going to be treating. I know when I'm speaking to someone and they tell me, well, I need to do this because of, you know, my girlfriend or because of my boyfriend. And I'm like, look, I mean, I can work with you and I can give you information, but the black hole of what I, you know, that's inside of you that says you need to have something to make yourself better for this other person, only you can fill that black hole. Right. And will never be satisfied by anybody else. And, nope. and the nope. reality is that, um, and there's another side to this, Lou, which I think is important for the audience to hear. Uh, when you're doing, especially when you're doing vaginal tightening procedures, vaginal tightening procedures, in other words, going into the vulva, going into the, into the vault, into the, into the vaginal vault, and actually doing surgerizing so that you can make a, a postpartum vagina tighter, mm -hmm. you can end up uh, crippling that patient, you can end Absolutely. up. You can end up doing a procedure that's so excessive that you take so much tissue, you make it so tight that that patient has painful intercourse for the rest of their life. Dysperunia, so, or there could be an impact of the pelvic hypogastric nerve. It could be many things. 
So you want to be extremely cautious. You know, I think people have to be careful. They have to be going to somebody who's responsible, and be very careful about a doctor that say that's a mill. Um, you know, we we take our times with patients. Patients come in from all over the country to come visit with us. Sometimes they do that because they want to take advantage of some of the vacation um, kind of uh, things that we have available in Sarasota. You know, they want to get away from the families. They don't want to go ahead and do the surgery close to home. They they would rather have it more privately. So Sarasota is a beautiful co- place to come to with our Siesta Key Beach, et cetera. A lot of people come to us. They'll come. They'll have a procedure. They'll have evaluations. They'll have surgery. They'll have procedure. And then they go home. And, um, and, and I'll tell you, some of those patients, you know, before they come down, I, I really try to, to get on the phone with them and personally and mm-hmm. really interview them to find out, is it really worth your coming down? Are you really coming down for the right purpose? Are you really coming, are you really coming to have a procedure that, that is for you, or is it because you're trying to make somebody else happy? Because if that's the case, it'll never work. No, I mean, you just, I mean, all we have to do is look at, you know, Ivana Trump, when Donald Trump was first falling around, fooling around with Marla Maples. I was a student in New York, and I remember that Ivana Trump underwent a huge amount of plastic surgery, but that did not stop what was going on. Now, here, let me also talk, well, we have three minutes until, you know, we, you know, go for our t- outro. Medical tourism is an area where people will often go and travel to um, have something done. I know people who have gone down to you know, Costa Rica and elsewhere. So people will come and travel to Sarasota in order to have their things done, and then they arrive home and they look refreshed and fabulous, and everyone goes, oh, my God, you look amazing. Yes. Yeah. And there is, and we, we do offer that. We do have these vacation packages where they come down, and we make arrangements for the hotel, and for um, even if they come down with a significant other, there's all kinds of activities that they can to Sarasota and while they're healing. But they, we, we really want those places. And this is the thing to be cautious about. If they're going to travel somewhere, First mm-hmm. of all, if you're going to have cosmetic surgery, please don't do it based on value in terms of cost. The, right. the value is way more than the cost. The, the, if the value, if you understand that the doctor is well qualified and you interview the doctor and you have a good feel and you've talked to patients, um, then and only then should you continue doing surgery with them. Don't do it. We find a lot of people from Florida, they go to Central America, South America, and they try to get these value deals. And then, and then they end up being very unhappy and they come to us and they go, oh my God, what do we do now? I tell everybody that if they're coming down to Sarasota and they want me to consider doing their surgery, number one, they have to be prepared. They have to put the right hand up and say, hey, I hereby agree that Dr. Rubenstein, should you and I ever be talking on the phone after the surgical procedure, and I have a concern which you have a concern about, and you say, Dr. Rubenstein, that I have to fly down and see you because you really need to see me, then I have to be willing to go ahead and invest that money to come down and see you. If they're mm-hmm. not willing to do that, if they're not financially able to do that, then I tell them, please don't do the surgery with me because it's going to be a mutually frustrating experience. You have got to be willing to say, yes, I'll come down anytime that you as a doctor feel that I have to come down based on water discussion. So it happens. I mean, most of the time everything goes great. But let's say the patient says, hey, look, you know, I'm having this little irritation at a certain site. I said, look, you know, let me recommend some things based on what you're telling me. Let's send me a little photo. Go ahead and take a look. But if I right. feel there's something there I need to take a look at and I say, I need you back, I need you here next week, don't tell me, well, you know, it's a big expense coming back down. Right. Right. Now we have, we have 30 seconds. I want you to give people your website, which is? Okay. L.A. Rubenstein, spelled L-A-R-U-B-I-N-S-T-E-I-N dot com. Or Sarasota, C-S, C as in Charlie, 
SSNSAM.com. Sarasota CS, standing for Cosmetic Surgery, dot com. Those two sites... We're going, we're, 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 those two sites will get you to Dr. Rubenstein or through my site on Toginet. Thank you so much for being with me tonight. Again, my guest, Dr. Leonard Rubenstein, and he is in Sarasota, Florida. Thank you so much for being with me. Thank you, Lou, for your time. Thank you very much. Okay. Take Every care. week, this will be your chance to be a fly on the wall and learn about one of the most important parts of our health, our sexual health. Join Lou Pagin.